Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello. And welcome back to the Psych Legal Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we are going to be talking about uh, a great documentary, I thought. Um, Last week after the Menendez to Menudo (laughs) one... We searched for something <laughs> light. <laughs> we, uh, we, we searched for this. And actually, uh, coincidentally, a uh, listener, listener Allison, had posted, um, she suggested this mm-hmm. documentary, um, which is Judy Bloom Forever. Yes. And uh, she thought it would be timely given that, you know, banning books is back mm-hmm. in fashion again. Yes, yes. And Judy Bloom is probably one of the most um banned uh authors her books are the most among the most banned because they are very very honest books talking about things that children and teens go through and have always gone through and continue mm-hmm. to go through and that's what including sex and death and bullying and all of the stuff and a lot of people think that kids just can't handle that yeah you know even though it's gonna happen to them and it's happening to them (laughs) it it, it, you know yeah i mean when you think about it childhood is really not that long you know how old are you when you start to encounter a lot of stuff i mean fortunately Mm -hmm. most kids don't get into heavy issues until maybe elementary school, but a lot of kids are dealing with this stuff well before then, yes. way before then. Well, what what I don't quite understand is what, you know, you, if you, especially if you have a daughter, you know at some point she's going to get her period. Like, what do you, what, what do you think's going to happen here? Like, right, right. you know, you can't pretend like it's not going to happen. You can't pretend, like, you know, if you have a child, like their body's going to develop, mm-hmm. you know that your child's going to be interested in sex. Like, you know, these things are going to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't quite understand why parents and everybody, you know, I love like later on, we see Pat Buchanan, you know, oh, on Judy Bloom, just kind of like about those, you know, masturbation. And I feel like, okay, so Pat Buchanan, you've never masturbated. Come on. Yeah. And, you know, had- there's a part of me that's just a little bit like, Come on, Pat Buchanan, like, give me an effing break. Well, it's so disingenuous. And uh, it was great that she came back at him and she said, you seem to be really um, (laughs) infatuated with masturbation. I was like, yes, thank you. Exactly. Yes. Yes. All these people who are so up in arms about people having sex, the ones that are getting caught in all these sex scandals. Yes, Yes, they are. They are. It's, it never and, gets, it, it never yeah. changes. It's always the same cast of characters. The it, same is, pattern. it is the same. It's the same, the same people. Routine. We keep seeing the same people over and over and over again, yammering on about this, these silly, silly things. But it's a little bit of 
But I thought one person pointed out how they, her books are, they are, what is it? Because they're timeless because they are so timely. timely. And I think what makes her book so great, if we talk about Are You There, God's Me, Margaret, is the fact that there, there are some things in the book that are very dated, but it is such a great book because it does speak to, you know, these couple years of your life that mm-hmm. are so um, foundational and so important that she captured. Yeah. I mean, the you know? themes never change. I yes. mean, like the, the, there are some, they interviewed some kids and they were talking about, I've never dialed a rotary phone. <laughs> yes. I don't know what that is. So, I mean, that those details yes. change, but the themes do not change. They mm-hmm. are exactly the same. And let me tell you, you know, my daughter started asking me about sex. Like, I mean, she was in preschool and it mm-hmm. wasn't about sex. It was more about like reproduction, yes. you know, because you, you, they hear things like, you know, about how moms and dads, you know, mm-hmm. the dad plants a seed in the mom and that's how the baby grows. They become infatuated with that very early on. Yeah. And then one day we were just riding in the car and all out of the blue, she says, mom, how does the dad get his seed yeah. inside the mom? Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared to answer that like <laughs> right there and then. And I said, oh, well, I'll explain it to you, you know, just give me a, when we get home, you know, I need to concentrate on driving. And I had to come up with, you know, <laughs> how I was going to explain it to her in, you know, that in a way that a four-year-old could understand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is just human nature. And yeah. You cannot ban these topics. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. So, um. Well, the, we uh, just dove right in. I know. But the, the, but the, the documentary doesn't dive right no. in, we have to say. Right. We, we start off with her just bicycling down right. the street. In Key West, when, yes. where well, she lives. At first I thought it was Santa Barbara. And then I was like, oh, she's in Key West. Yeah. So Living we, her life. We see her modern day. She's 83 years old. She looks great. She's in great. Very, like, yeah. Very fit. Great physical condition, mentally sharp. Mm-hmm. She's in great condition. Yeah. And so... So we, she takes us through her life basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she must've been born like what? 1938 or 38. 38. I did the math. Okay. Um, so yeah, so she basically came up in the, uh, you know, late forties, early fifties and had this very traditional family. And, um, I guess her mother was not real open or nurturing. It was her father who was the nurturer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she kind of had that typical 1950s uh, life in this, in New Jersey, in the suburbs. But um, she said yeah. that the 50s were not really a fun time. People were pretending they were having fun, you know, mm-hmm. but they, it wasn't a lot of fun behind the scenes. Well, I think, and one thing that she, I don't think the 50s were fun for women. No. I think that's, and our mother but, but, but tells men, us that too. <laughs> but men too, men had no outlet or, you know what I mean? Like men were uh-huh. expected, they had a lot of pressure on, you know, you have to work and support a family and they were not allowed to have any feelings or emotions mm-hmm. or, you know, so, I mean, it was yeah. hard on them too in a different way. Yeah. One thing that I thought that was interesting, you know, she's Jewish and she mm-hmm. talks about, she was seven years old when World War II ended and she talks about, like kind of knowing a bit about the Holocaust and Hitler and that she knew that bad things happened, but that her parents wouldn't tell her that there were secrets mm-hmm. and she hated secrets. She knew that adults kept secrets from kids. And I thought that was really interesting that mm-hmm. she, because she very much, right. Her entire career has been about telling kids secrets, the, the secrets that parents wouldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that her mom was a reader and her mom really seemed to be about appearances and controlling her. But the one thing that her mom didn't seem to care about or didn't seem to control her was about what she read. And so she became this voracious reader and that they would read all the time. So anyway, I always thought that yeah. was very interesting that this thing that she felt very free about was reading. Mm-hmm. And we know with writers, you know, writers come from being voracious readers. So... Yeah, and that was also a very astute observation about adults and mm-hmm. she very early and, on was like yeah. they don't tell us everything, but they keep things from us. Right. And so that yeah. probably drove her 
you know, um, desire to write mm-hmm. books, to tell children, yeah. like it's, this is how it is. And that's okay. Like everybody mm-hmm. goes through this. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. That's kind of a theme of a lot of her books. Like nothing is wrong with you. Yes. Everybody, normal. everybody goes through this. You are normal. Everything's good. So, um, she went off to college. She went to NYU and, uh, well, first they kind of show her with some of her childhood friends are still friends mm-hmm. and you know they've had a good childhood and uh she went to nyu but she was basically expected to go there to find a husband mm-hmm. you know she was not expected to have a career really and she did meet someone her first husband he was he was a few years older he was already working as a lawyer when they met and um sadly just like a month before her wedding, her father passed away from a massive heart attack at age 54. Yeah. And all the men in his family, none of them lived to 60. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, And that also played a big theme in her life that she knew that her father could die young and she had a lot of fear about that. And Consequently, the the theme of parents dying or grandparents dying is one of a big theme in a mm-hmm. lot of her her books. Yeah, because it happens a lot in the yeah. it happens in the book forever. And I feel like did it happen in Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Did a parent grandparent die? I think a grandparent may have died. I know it happens in Forever. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But she talks about when she talks about when her father dies that. You know, she talks about how she really couldn't grieve, right? Because she goes right into the wedding and mm-hmm. her mom's very stoic and we're not going to talk about our feelings. And then she mm-hmm. marries this man who he's not talking about his feelings at all. And it's right mm-hmm. like, smile, you're this 50s housewife now, like right into the wedding. And then right into this, like into this right 1960s cul-de-sac, New Jersey, like mm-hmm. start pumping out kids um, and living that life. Yeah. And so she did have two kids, a boy and a girl pretty soon thereafter. And and she, she liked being a mother and she enjoyed her life. Um, but I think she was looking for something more creative to do or just something else to do. And mm-hmm. so she started writing. And at first she was writing these kind of, she compared it to Dr. Seuss type. Yeah. Books. She was doing a lot of illness. I think she felt like she she wanted to do i think this was right she was trying to figure out where she fit in she wanted to do i think she was thinking like about children's books mm-hmm. and she was doing a lot of illustrations and she didn't she didn't really like doing the illustrations but it was a lot of these like the typical children's books that were very sing-songy mm-hmm. you know yeah and she was sending things out to publishing companies over and over and getting lots of rejections yeah she got a lot of rejections and mm-hmm. They seem to just mainly just make her more resolved to just keep going. And, yeah. And she was really determined. Um, and then she finally got a publishing deal. And because I think the first book that was published was a book about it was more of the sing songy children's book. It was something about a. Um, was it this middle school? Well, so it. So I guess she must have been doing. So it sounds like. God, I want to say she must have been sending out those letters for a good eight, nine years. And then it sounds like, because it sounds like she, it was Bradbury Press, and she found out that they were looking for realistic fiction for middle school kids. And I think it was sort of like, oh, I can write this free, like, I got to stop with, I got to stop the the illustrations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to stop doing that. And I I wrote down that it was something called Iggy's House, well, which I have a I've list. never read. I have a list here of the books in order. Okay, so so what's it called? Okay, so the very first book that was published is called The One in the Middle is the Green Kangaroo. Oh, okay. And And that's that's Bradbury House Press? Um, Not sure, it doesn't say. Hmm. But that's 1969. And then 1970 is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I don't know if it was the same publisher, but... Because I anyway, wrote down yes. that Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret was 1969, but okay. Well, I'm just going yeah. off the internet. Yeah. Um, and then the Iggy's House was also 1970. Mm-hmm. And then she basically did a book a year, at least one book a year or mm-hmm. more. 
every year all through the 70s. Wow. And into the 80s. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she has 33 published books, including the adult books that mm-hmm. she wrote towards the end there. So, yeah, she was very prolific. Yeah, but I think, but it really was. I didn't realize that it was the Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret was really the book. Mm-hmm. Like What I thought was very interesting about this was I had... I realized when I was watching the documentary, like, oh, wow, I've read a lot of her books at the various stages of her career, not Mm -hmm. really knowing like, oh, wow, this was this part of this career and this was this part of the career. But um, I did not realize that Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret was written 1969, 1970, because, I mean, I remember reading it when I was in, I mean, I think, you know, I think I was in elementary school. I want to say it was like third grade, fourth grade. And, you know, that was in the 80s. And so it felt like it was written in the 1980s. Yeah. To me, I mean, the only thing that felt really old to me was she was talking about like sanitary napkins and Mm -hmm. the belts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that felt old. Right. To me. But we still had rotary phones. Yes. (laughs) Back then. Everything else was. Everything else was. But that was the one thing about it that felt um dated but everything else felt like very very tiny and very like real and true yeah um i was trying to remember when i read it and i know it was elementary school but i don't know if it was like really don't know i Mm -hmm. don't remember but i mean i it was definitely the first book i had ever read (laughs) that talked about yeah Stuff like that talked about, you know, boys and um, menstruation and there was something else um, kind of revolutionary in it. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. still, even though we even though, you know, I was born in 1969, you were born in 73 you know, even in the eight seventies and eighties, I don't really feel like people were talking about sex that much. At least, you know, parents and mm. parents were still not, it's not like it was today. I mean, it, or it, it's still, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, mm-hmm. but I think that I could really relate to these characters not being, because one of the themes is that these characters really can't talk to their parents or relate to their parents very well. Mm-hmm. The, pa- the parents in these books are always people who are not listening to their kids, not really letting their kids make their own decisions or have their own agency. Mm-hmm. And that was still alive and well in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what I'm trying to say. So I could relate. Yes. I don't. And and it's funny because I don't I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember like I remember how it spoke to me. I don't know if I remember everything else around there. If I felt like I didn't have agency, (laughs) I remember that the feeling of, ooh, like Mm -hmm. this is like, ooh, this is tantalizing. This is is taboo. Like, ooh, exciting. Yeah, um, I was definitely drawn to the books yeah. about sex. I didn't read any of that super fudge. Or no, I never read. I, I went I never straight got, to I tried, forever. I tried, yeah. yeah, I tried Beauty. to read the super fudge books and all of that. And then her second book, then again, maybe I won't, which was about a 12 year old boy. I mm-hmm. read that one. I like that. I think because, I read that one. Yeah, because what what was good about her? I mean, she was a she's an excellent writer. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the other part about it was. Yes, her stuff, I think, was tantalizing and interesting. But what people were what people missed was she's a very, very good writer. Mm -hmm. You know, she she created interesting characters Characters and the description storylines, descriptions. And what they were also talking about was she made particular situations very realistic and laughable and Mm -hmm. um, human. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the part that I think people really liked about it. Um, So, and and, yeah. Oh, I was going to say the really cool thing that she started talking about at this point is that 
because children were so excited to find these books Mm -hmm. where someone is talking about things that they can relate to in their lives, kids started writing to her. And that was the part that blew me away. It blew me away. So she's sitting in this room that is basically an archive of all the letters that kids have written to her over the years. And now there are banker boxes stacked probably like 10 shelves high all the way around the entire room full of letters. Mm -hmm. And she starts reading some of these letters and kids are writing to her asking for advice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And some of them she developed relationships with that went on for decades. Yes. Where they wrote to her that one girl, I think her name was Lori. Yes. And she was Asian American and her, her parents, there was a lot of cultural issues. Her parents really didn't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of what she was going through. And, and Judy would write back yeah, these long letters where she addresses all of their concerns and gives them advice. And um, later on, we, we see more of the people that she wrote to who wrote to her with very mm-hmm. serious yes. problems. Yeah. And in one letter, she's, wrote back and she said, I'm going to do some research to see if there's someone in your area that you can talk to, to help you some kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, almost like a child protective services type Mm -hmm. thing. And she, she was like really trying to help these kids and, uh, kind of save them. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I thought that was really interesting. And that the, the documentary found the people and they interviewed them and they, they read their letters was such an interesting part and that was so surprising that i it never i mean it makes sense mm-hmm. it would make sense that like oh wow like you could write to her like a mm-hmm. fan letter i never thought of that and the that wow she writes back yeah and that she's been and i guess yale it was yale university they i guess put all this stuff together mm-hmm. and it was amazing but one quick thing i thought was so interesting in the midst of all of this she's you know she's she's talking about this she's raising these two kids She's writing all of these books and mm-hmm. she talks about this, that she's the primary caretaker for her, these kids. The husband, her husband at the time never reads any of her books. She doesn't seem to care. Um, and, but she's still this mom and she's going to these block parties with these other women on the block. And they're kind of like, oh, are you still writing those children's books? <laughs> I just think it's so interesting like this, how people perceive her and see her. Yeah, you mean the ones that are sell- selling millions and millions of copies? Those? Yes, yes. <laughs> like how they, how they see her and how, yeah. how all of that goes. Um, so anyway, the one is, you know, and then they start talking about this book, Blubber. And mm-hmm. I was like, God, I kind of sort of remember that book, but I kind of sort of don't. Did you ever read that book? It's about I, bullying. I remember the name of the book. I don't think I read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard of all these books, but, yeah. you know, a lot of them to me seemed a little young. And uh, again, I was into the ones about sex and boys. <laughs> <laughs> that was my um, jam. Yeah. And then, okay, so this, this, the other one, Dini, which I mm-hmm. have to laugh about this because apparently in the book Dini, there's a, this two lines about right. Dini and about masturbation. Yeah. I would just like to say way over my head had no, this was the first time I'd ever heard that this was there. There was these infamous two lines about masturbation. I was like, Oh, the book about the girl and scoliosis. Yeah. <laughs> way over my head. had well, no the, idea. The way it was described was, yeah, it was very vague. It was like, but I, I guess apparently, I found my special spot. Yes. <laughs> but I way over my head. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was the one that Pat Buchanan had issues with. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one he was obsessed with. <laughs> and, and what's so interesting about that, right, which is, is that you would only, I think that people who were, finding, who were at that time finding their special spot, I think mm-hmm. would relate to it. And if mm-hmm. you weren't, right, you would it went over your it. head. Yeah. Which, at whatever age I was reading Deanie, I think it went right over right. my head. I was just like, oh, you know, just reading about scoliosis. Well, and the thing about scoliosis, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a period of time, I remember this distinctly when I was in junior high, Mm -hmm. where people in the schools were obsessed with girls and scoliosis. Yes, it was a thing. It was a thing. And I think there was maybe, I don't know what was behind it, but it was so weird. I remember we had to get these scoliosis checks Mm -hmm. where we had to, all the girls had to go in the girls' locker room 
You had to take off your shirt. I think you could keep on your bra if you had a bra, but if you didn't have a bra, I don't know what, I mean, it was humiliating. And then you had to line up and one by one, some nurse, you know, you'd come up to some nurse and you had to bend over and look at your spine Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, see if you have scoliosis and it was totally humiliating. And there were always people who got diagnosed with scoliosis after Mm -hmm. that and had to wear, I knew several people who had to wear one of those back braces. And I was always Mm -hmm. terrified that, oh my gosh, you know, am I going to have scoliosis? And then it went away. Yeah. I do vaguely remember this. I do. Yeah. 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 And this Dini was all about this like gorgeous, gorgeous girl that was like diagnosed with scoliosis. And, you know, what does it mean? If Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, and the the mother wanted her to be a model, was obsessed Mm -hmm. with her being a model. So I guess if she had that if she had scoliosis, she couldn't be a model anymore. Like she was done with, you know, over. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there's some ableism in there too, um, because they wanted the school counselor said that she qualified to ride like the special bus. Yes, you know, quote, yes. Quote. And she didn't want to do that. So she ripped up the uh, uh, paperwork for it. Or mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, again, these themes, they're, they're all yeah. there. They're just, yeah. they just look a little bit different. Yes. So then we move into, right, now we're, you know, she's writing, writing, writing. We've, we've now moved into the 70s and things have changed, right? Moved mm-hmm. into the sexual revolution, the women's movement, and people are getting divorced. And, you know, she started to feel like, you know, started to feel, she said she wanted to participate in all this. She started to feel fearless in her writing. And this is when she writes forever, Mm-hmm. She decides, like, I want to write a book. I guess it was inspired by her daughter, where she was sort of really sick of these books about every time a young woman, especially men, it was okay. Mm-hmm. But if a w- young woman had sex, that she was shamed for it, or she was a slut, or if a young woman had sex, that she got pregnant and mm-hmm. was sent away, and she was no. this horrible yeah. person, or she died, or whatever it is. And she wanted to present sex with, um, two people, not as punishment, but with love and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and I, you know, it, it's a great book because I think that it shows, I think a very natural course of what two seniors in high school would look like, which right. is you meet, you quote unquote, fall in love, you have sex, it's not going to last. Right. <laughs> you break up. You go your separate and then you ways. Go your separate ways. And it's okay. And, and it's okay. And everybody's fine. The world fine. didn't end. Yes. yes. And you right. move on with your life. No shame. No shame involved. Yeah. I mean, yes. that's, that's really groundbreaking. Yes. Yes. Oh, and the girl was on birth control pills too. That's right. Did she, yeah. did the mom take her to go or did she go herself? I can't remember what happened. I can't remember. But that was a, that was a revolutionary thing. You know, a teenage yes. girl taking Again, having agency over mm-hmm. her body and, you know, being responsible and all that, showing it in a totally positive light. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it's really not about the sex. Yeah. That, yeah, people wanted to see just sex normalized. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Not shamed, shamed. Yes. Um, and then this is when Judy... Um, decides she's going to get divorced. She's 37 years old and she leaves her marriage after 16 years. And um, so the whole time I'm watching, did you ever read the book Wifey? No. Okay. So the whole time, Wifey was one of my favorite books of hers. So the whole time I'm sort of watching the documentary, I'm thinking, God, her book Wifey seems very similar to this life she's living. Right. And then when I when we got to the Wifey part, I'm like, okay, now things are coming together. So... Anyway, well, then, yeah, then she wrote that book, Not the End of the World, which is about divorce, which was something oh, I that, never read that. It really this this documentary makes me want to go back and read. I know. Books, but yeah. But yeah. And that was something that in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and whatever, a lot of uh, kids were going through ourselves, ourselves, ourselves included. included <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trying to normalize, not really normal. I don't mm-hmm. know, but at least just have like a, a place so kids can look at it and be like, yeah, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Not, did you read that book? I don't know if I read I that book. I kind of feel like I did. Maybe. It's hard to remember, but I, I kind of yeah. feel like I did. Now, this seems very out of character for me. The second marriage, I was like, this seems, and I guess she feels a lot of shame for this. Like, 
I guess she gets out of this one marriage. And then mm-hmm. she says, like, the first guy she meets is a scientist and he's based in London. And so then she takes her two kids out of school, seventh grade and ninth yeah. grade. And then they go to they go to London and they start like traveling around for conferences. That seems so bizarre. Yeah. She said she was kind of rebelling, I mm-hmm. guess, against her old life because she she's wanted to she said she wanted to live her own life get out and get out of the suburbs so she mm-hmm. really like went to the other extreme and then later she realizes how rough it was on her kids and she yeah. had a lot of guilt about that yeah but i, I just kind of like how do you take a seventh grader and a ninth grader out of school like that yeah seems like okay not very sensitive no it's not and i mean yeah well, they divorced after four years, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what, and then she writes Wifey, which mm-hmm. was sort of this big deal because it's sort of adult Judy is right. writing this story. And um, it really bothered people that she wrote this very adult novel about, you know, this this breaking up of this. It Basically, it's a marriage. And it's essentially, it takes place in sort of the 70s, 80s when this came out. But it's essentially about this, like, unhappy woman in this marriage with this cold man who is, you know, I think takes, who's very similar to her husband. Um, and it was just interesting. And I remember reading wifey and thinking to myself, Oh God, I can't get married. This sounds awful. Like, <laughs> it just sounds like the worst. Ma- like marriage just sounds horrible. Yeah. You know, cause she just seemed to be married. And I think this was very similar to her first husband. She just seemed to be married to somebody that like, just couldn't talk about feelings, just not very emotional, you know? And I was just like, I, I cannot marry someone like that. Yeah. You know? Well, I think all. that's what a lot of fifties, yeah. Fifties and sixties marriages. That's what they were. Yeah. Because again, men didn't, they didn't even know how to be in touch with their feelings if they wanted to, you know, they were told to do the opposite, you know? And mm-hmm. if they, if they did, you know, express their feelings then they'd be made fun of you know it's just it was not a good time yeah <laughs> yeah it wasn't so well then, then we then get, something really good happens is it a good time now now we're gonna talk about reagan getting elected well, and it's is it yeah. better <laughs> um slightly i guess so yeah it's the latest chapter of history repeating itself yeah so ronald Reagan was elected in 1980 and all the censorship starts up. Mm. Um, and they went after Jerry Bloom. Well, did you see this? Like, this is the moral majority. And they're talking about books that they're banning. And they're like, we're banning Shakespeare. We're banning dictionaries. <laughs> yeah. They ban dictionaries. I'm like, how can you ban a dictionary? You've got to well, be kidding me. They banned classics. Oh, all kinds of classic books. And, and again, probably because there was one or two sentences in them that Pat Buchanan was uncomfortable with, you know? Yes. So and oh, and the, that, that awful Phil Shafley. Oh God. Yes. Remember I her? remember she these was, people. I remember uh, these people. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, oh yeah. And then they show her going on crossfire with Tom Braden, not name sounds familiar and Pat Buchanan. <laughs> oh God. She, she <laughs> held her own. She was she did. very formidable. Um, at, even at a young age, and they show clips of her even before this crossfire. Anytime you see clips of her defending herself, you know, yeah. on any kind of TV show or whatever, she's very, you know, strong and stands up for herself and doesn't back down. And she took she took on Buchanan and totally humiliated him. Yeah, I mean, God, what the what? So she's um. She finally realized, like, I, I got to stop going on these shows and trying to defend myself <laughs> yeah, really. to these because it's pointless. It like, why pointless. am I trying to have a conversation with Pat Buchanan? This is insane. And she learned that she can't debate the zealots. Um, and, you know, she's got to support. She's got to just focus on writing and and talking to the people that support her and talking to the kids that need her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to right. do that. But she said that she at one point was getting up to 700 death threats a day. And, you know, she is she's not wrong where she was like, you know, sometimes I would get on these stages and wonder, you Mm -hmm. know, some crazy person going to come and shoot me, you know, Um, because she supported Planned Parenthood. She supported these very radical. Right. And, you know, it's 
it's scary. And she's not wrong to feel a little bit frightened sometimes that she was putting herself out there. But that's what she decided to do. And then we learned that even she felt like she, you know, had been married twice, divorced twice, that she wasn't going to love anymore. But then she met George. Yes. And a law professor in 1979. And they fell in love. And they're still married today. Yes, they're very cute. And George had a daughter and, you know, they blended their families and they show the... um, George's daughter and her daughter, yeah, who are now like you know in their fifties or sixties or something, yeah. And of course, the daughter is what the daughter was twelve, so she's like, of course, she knew who Judy Bloom was. Yeah, she's so like, that I read her trip. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> natural for her. But, but she he didn't know. Was... He didn't know who she was. George right. didn't know who she was because, which makes sense. Like, right. he, he wouldn't be rooting Judy Bloom. But at least the stepdaughter probably knew. Oh, this lady's pretty cool. You yeah. Know, she's read her books. You yeah. Know. So then I guess Judy's children were grown and probably out of the house. And then so they all lived in Santa Fe. And that's when she wrote Tiger Eyes, which I remember reading, mm-hmm. which was set in Santa Fe. And I can't remember. So Tiger Eyes was about a girl whose father died, which mm-hmm. we know now. Right. Judy talks about this, which was all about her talking about and processing her father passing mm-hmm. away. Um, but there was something more to Tiger Eyes. What was the full... Do you remember? Did you read that book? I didn't read that. Oh. No, I don't. I don't I know remember the what story. the other plot was. Yeah. Um, but it was There was more, another... There was a subplot to it. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it was more like a teen, it, you know teen era kind of yeah. as opposed to the younger stuff more yeah serious. she went that was kind of like back she kind of went back to the middle school teen stuff there after doing wifey and she had done they they mentioned some other books she did some other adult books that i like like smart women and there mm-hmm. were a few others that were summer good that they, sisters yeah i i don't know if i've ever read summer sisters maybe i have i have to go back and look But then they go back and they really get into the letters and the story of Karen, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very powerful. Um, Yeah, so tell Karen's story. So there's a story of Karen who, because we've met some of the other women, we met Lori and and some of the other women that wrote to her. But they they talk about this woman, Karen, and Karen is, she's now, I want to say, somewhere in her 40s now, but she talks about how she started writing to Judy because she first told Judy about how her she had to tell somebody that her brother committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, she, you know, just felt like she had to tell somebody about this. She didn't know who to tell. So she told Judy. And then did Judy write her back after that? Yeah. And they established a, a writing relationship. And then after a while, no. Karen felt comfortable to enough to tell her. Yeah. So then Karen said, okay, I, I've got to figure out how to phrase this to Judy. I've got to, if I tell her, I'll tell her and I'll just make it sound so interesting how she phrased it. It was like, I'll make it, I need to make it sound important, but not too important. I need to make it sound, um, I wish I wrote down the words that she used because she really, it's so interesting in in the mind of a child. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I make her hear this, but not hear this in a way that she can hear it, but not freak out, but also not, um, but, but um, hear it, but, but be seen, but not freak out. And she says, and she tells Judy, the per- but I have to also tell you for seven years, I was sexually abused. And the person that sexually abused me was my brother. Who killed and himself. Who killed himself. And so Judy, um, you know, takes this all in mm-hmm. and writes her back this long letter and mm-hmm. says, you know, I'm basically gives her a lot of advice, you know, tells her you're, this is good for you to tell your story. You know, you don't have to tell everybody your story, but writing is a great way for you to process your feelings. Mm -hmm. And this is where she says, he like, I'm going to do a little research and try to find you some help in your area. Mm -hmm. And this is where she does say, where she goes to a therapist and says, 
um, what do I do with all of yeah, this? She like, was starting this is to a feel lot. emotional weight of yeah, all of it. Because yeah. this is a lot of stuff. I mean, the fact that, and, and I don't know, I don't know if she's writing back to every single letter every single time. I don't know if she could, but it sounds like she is, you know, trying to be consistent with a lot of these kids, but this is a lot. I mean, yeah. this is, these kids are telling her a, a tremendous amount, but what interesting is Karen talks about this, that what was so impactful for her. And I think Karen does say that, you know, Judy kind of saved her life because mm-hmm. someone was there to hear her story. And, and what Judy did was validate it. Like, right. I hear you, you know, someone's listening to you. Someone cares. Right. And someone was here to tell you that's not okay. I hear you. I see you. And I, you know, and, and these yeah. are, and I'm, um, and I'm here to help you. I'm here yeah. to listen to you. And sometimes for some people, that's all you need. Like it just takes, I I think a lot of times people wonder like, what does it take for somebody to, why does one person survive and another person doesn't? And it's like, sometimes it just takes one person to just believe in you mm-hmm. and that's it. And yeah. so throughout all these years, it's like Karen kept writing to her like, I'm in high school now. I graduated. I'm right. in college now. I graduated. Like, married. I, I'm married. I have yeah. kids. I'm this. I'm that. And then we see, I guess, apparently, we also see Lori. Lori, the, Lori, um, yeah. the is she's Korean? Okay. Asian? Oh, she's, well, she's Asian American. She's Asian American. She was the one who, yeah, she she wrote to Judy a lot as yes. a, as a young She was kid. very mature. And, and she had a lot of questions. Writer, a lot yeah. of questions about life and yeah. that she wasn't getting from her parents. And so she said, you know, when I graduated from Bryn Mawr, apparently she was having a lot of problems with her family. So she wrote to Judy and said, I'm having issues with my family. Will you come to my graduation? Judy said, sure. <laughs> so she and George showed up. I know. That was Which so I sweet. Could, that was so kind. I was like, I it can't was. believe she showed up to that. So we <laughs> see her. At Lori's graduation. graduation. Yeah. So I get the sense that I I get the sense that there are probably a lot of people that wrote her once Mm -hmm. and then maybe a few people once or twice. And then there's there's got to be like a handful of these Mm -hmm. Karen's and Lori's. Yeah. That were like she had long term relationships with. Because there's no way she could have maintained a lot. No, but it seemed to me like she tried awfully hard to respond to every person who wrote to her. And if they wrote a second time or a third time you know, then it would turn into these yes. kind of things. But that was not the majority at yeah. all of them. Yes. Yes. Wow. But that is, I mean, I, I had that part of the story. I had um, no idea that mm, she had been and that I, and, and it just seems so odd to me to, um, but it makes sense uh, for so many kids who felt so alone. Yeah. Like to go to, them. I mean, personally, for me, I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, everyone has their own experiences. I, I always felt like if I did have questions, I could go to our parents, maybe not dad, but like <laughs> I could go to mom and ask her questions. I, I feel like I didn't feel that way. Oh, uh, I felt like I could, I mean, and ask her questions if yeah. I needed to. I felt like she was very forthright with things personally, sometimes a little too forthright. It was a little bit like, okay, tone it down. <laughs> yeah. TMI. <laughs> <laughs> there were some times. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Maybe I was, I just wasn't able to, not that I couldn't go to her, but that, and not like, not when I say I felt like I couldn't go to her, it's not that I felt like she would reject me or, mm-hmm. you know, not help me. I just personally couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't muster up the courage to, to do it and say what I wanted to say. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And so uh, that was just me. Yeah. And so that's different than, and I, and I think, I think most kids feel like that to some degree. And even if your parents are open, mm-hmm. you know, maybe something happens that you just feel is beyond their ability to deal with, or you don't want to burden them or it's too shameful or too whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you just can't. So I'm not like blaming the parents or anything like that. Some parents are total assholes and would get upset, but it's just really hard to be a child and, and articulate 
your feelings and process what's happening to you. Well, and I also think in the world that we live in today, I mean, I feel like it's so interesting because in our world, right, there's a lack of information, Mm -hmm. right? There was, you'd have to scramble. And I think what's going on now is there's too much, too much, right? Because that's what I said to my son. I was like, listen, you know, do not go on the internet. Do not type in certain words. Like, mm-hmm. come to me first because, you know, you type in certain words on the internet boom, right in your face. It yeah. like gets graphic fast. Yeah. And so that's a bit of the problem now with the world that we live in is I think kids are exposed to super graphic stuff like really quickly. And they have, and that's a big problem, right? Is that because I work with young people, they have a very skewed idea of sex and relationships because of porn, because of like how, you know, this is young women think that, oh, you know, this is, oh, this is what relationships look like, or this is how I should be treated by somebody, Mm -hmm. or this is what this is supposed to look like. Or sex is a performance. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Sex is a performance and I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to look like this and this is how I should feel now. And it's like, no, like... You know, even porn stars will tell you that when they're home with their partner, this isn't what it looks like. No. So, you know, stop. So anyway. Yeah. Well, back to Judy and George. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So anyway, so they're traveling around. They're living their best life. They're having a great time. They live on Martha's Vineyard for like yeah, they 20 a years. House. Yeah, they're summering there. They're just having their best lives. Because she must make so much money from all the well, yeah, residuals I guess from I'm these hoping, books, don't you I'm think? Ho- yeah, I'm very... I, I wonder if they... Hopefully Bradbury didn't screw her out in the early days of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Yeah, but she must now paid. make so much money from all of the um, residuals from all of these books. But yeah... And then I guess she doesn't really get into it, but they they go to Key West and they fall in love with it, mm-hmm. which is one place I've always wanted to go. I've never been. Yeah, I would and, like um, So they, five years ago, and somehow they get this opportunity to buy a bookstore called Books and Books or Book and Books. And so they buy it. And mm-hmm. so now she is... She and George are running this bookstore, and I guess people all know that she owns this bookstore. And I guess if you call and say, "Is Judy there?" and she's, <laughs> if she's working that day, yeah. you can go down there, go down there and talk and to her, buy her books, and she'll sign copies. And um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and she also works with this group, the National Coalition Against Censorship. Mm-hmm. That's where she channels her you know, yeah, a frustration with all of this. And, and yeah, and, you know, book bans are back again. And, you know, it's interesting because right now it seems like predominant, predominantly they are targeting books that have anything to do with LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues, characters, stories. And of course they always ban books about race mm-hmm. have anything to do with race because the kids can't handle it. Yeah. You know, the kids can't handle learning about slavery and it's like, please. Mm. Um, so yeah, anything about gender, sexual identity and, and women, like women yeah. having their own agency over them, their bodies themselves, anything that threatens the patriarchy, yes. you know, the white male patriarchy. Yeah. It's like, it's so frustrating because it's like, how many, how many times are we going to go through this? You know, I mean, we, yes, I don't know. Well, it's yeah, I, I, I really liked how they showed that they, um, they talked about how sort of changed the space of YA forever. Like she really mm-hmm. created that space. And a lot of the people that they interviewed, Lena Dunham, Molly mm-hmm. Ringwald, and they also, and I've forgotten her name, the one that did pen 15, um, yeah, and then they had that sem- show, sem- Samantha. Um, um, oh, Samantha B. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, what they they showed how right that that Judy Bloom sort of brought on this idea of how they allowed young women to be messy and complicated, and then they mm-hmm. sort of like show Sex in the City, and we see girls, and we see Broad City, we see Pen Fifteen, we see all mm-hmm. of these shows and all of this these things that have come about of showing us young women coming of age, young women's stories of, of their stories. And 
as opposed to constantly seeing these stories of young men of coming of age, like this, you know, we've been watching young men coming of age, these stories, these tales, mm-hmm. like, you know, Star Wars, you know, we've like, that's, you know, a young man's journey. We've watched the story over and over and over again. And she's the one that really said, you know, let's start watching women come of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it was one of the people talked about, like, in many ways, this is historical fiction. Right. There are some things, there's some aspects that are dated, right? right? Because none of the mothers worked. The yeah. characters were, you know, very binary, right? Gender was very mm-hmm. down the line. Mm-hmm. But at the core, you know, what we talked about at the beginning, which is at the core, it's all about the feelings, right? Because because she's truthful, because she's vulnerable, because she's authentic. That's why right. they are timely, because she gets to this vulnerable place. And and I think that's why she's so, I mean, I think she's an incredibly brave person because she really puts it all out there. Like and she, she really was the does. only one doing this yeah. back in, you know, 1969, 1970. I, I, yeah. I can't think of anyone else who was doing this. I'm sure there are, but not, not to this degree with this mm-hmm. many books and sold this many books. And yeah, I mean, she really, I think what's so beautiful about her is that she treats children like human beings, like people who deserve to be heard and, and who shouldn't just, it shouldn't just be that children should be seen and not heard thing, Mm -hmm. which was all, that's all the 1950s and sixties. And, um, you know, this, the respect that she has for children of all ages to be able to, cope with things and understand things and I don't know I'm not saying this very well but no you know you are no you're right this is what I love about this the the way we we do things it's just a little bit of like okay come into this world you know be seen be seen and not heard let's not validate your feelings let's treat you like crap let's abuse you and push you into the corner okay great you're an adult now fully function now as a human being, Mm -hmm. make money, earn it, be human, be this. Wait, what's wrong with you? Why can't you function now? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with you? You're not functioning now? Why can't you function now? It's a little bit of like... Right. (laughs) Yeah, the whole concept of... (laughs) The whole concept of raising children and people think that it requires far less than it really does. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like children, young adults young people, you know, I have a daughter who's about to be 20 years old next week. I have done more parenting in the last couple of years than I have in my entire life. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is probably the one of the, I think this has been the most difficult stage of parenting ever. The college years, the college years, the end of Mm -hmm. high school. A lot of it was complicated by COVID, but it's not, it wasn't just that it was, these are big things. You know, mm-hmm. little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Yeah. It is tough, you know, and, and, you know, kids need compassion. They need help. They need support. Yeah. It's this whole thing about just saying, oh, okay, well, good luck. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just, I guess I just wonder all of these people that are up in arms about, you know, banned books and we can't talk about this. We can't, can't talk about that. So what, what do you, what do you want what, people what do you, to do? What are you thinking is going to happen? So if you're not going to, if you're going to be, if, if, what do you think is going to happen with these kids? They're not going away. LGBTQ yeah. people are not going away. They are here. Mm-hmm. I don't, you can ban all the books you want about them, uh, but, but they are here. And what are we, yeah, exactly. What are we doing to help them? Well, I guess I, but yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm perplexed about what, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm just so perplexed. I'm perplexed about what do you think is going to, how to happen? Do you, if, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Yeah, if you what, read this book, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is really going to happen? If someone reads three lines about someone touching their special place, like, what do you think? 
I, I, I mean, it's, it's it's like an honest question. I really right. want to know, Pat Buchanan. Do, do are you Pat, still, yeah. is Pat Buchanan still alive? Like, I really want... I think if, he is. If you're Sorry. listening to the podcast right now, Pat Buchanan, or if someone knows Pat Buchanan, I'd really love to know. Like, I just really, it's an honest question on my part. I just want to know, like, what do you think will happen? Like, what do you think this person will do or know or developmentally? How old do you think someone needs to be to read those lines? Right. Uh, Like, do you masturbate, Pat Buchanan? Do you think... (laughs) People shouldn't yeah. masturbate. Do you think it's, children shouldn't know. masturbate? I just want to oh, know. What, yeah, what is the issue? I mean, we're still trying to get to the issue. Exactly. It's like, what do you think will happen if this thing, but whatever's happening in Florida and these other places about, oh, you know, kids shouldn't have to learn about slavery because it's mm-hmm. too much. It's too painful and this and that. And it's like, to whom? To whom? <laughs> exactly. You know what? Slavery happened. Not yes. reading about it is not going to make it go away. Yeah. We're living with the repercussions of it with people all around you who they are here. Yeah. You know, they have the right to be heard. People have the right to learn about it. And, and the, the whole issue about having somebody else decide what you can read and what you can't read. Mm-hmm. And that goes, there's two levels of that. There's the level of you know, some governor or school board person deciding what you can read or don't read. And then there's also the issue of your parents deciding what you can read or not read. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, even what if you have parents? What if Pat Buchanan is your father? Mm-hmm. And he says, you can't read this. I mean, it just, it's like it's you're being deprived of a some kind of a human right. And just because you're under 18, like you can't read a book because yeah. your father's obsessed with masturbation. <laughs> doesn't want to hear about it i don't know it, but this is what's so insane about this which is you can't read this book but but at the same because you cannot read this book um i'm going to infringe on your rights but at the same time oh wait a second no i'm not going to spend an extra three days waiting for an rifle. I'm not going to go fill out this paperwork. You're infringing on my right. Right. And don't tell me to get a vaccination because you're infringing on my rights. And don't tell me I need a vaccination to do this, this and this. Uh, It it makes no friggin' sense. It makes no no sense. And I guess we're going to get some more complaints on the thing because I'm sure we just this and that and that and this. Yeah. We just lost. You know, uh, we just lost a bunch of listeners. We lost a bunch of listeners right, right in the last five minutes. But <laughs> oh well, you know what? I got to be me. I got to live my life. God, I don't know. Got to, you know, that's my All right. life. All right. Well, you know, Judy stood up for what she believes in, and we're standing up for what we believe in. <laughs> that's too. right. And you know what? If you don't want to listen to this podcast, guess what? It's Fine. free. You don't. You it's don't free. have to. You it's don't not have requ- to. It's not required. It's not required. We're not banning you. <laughs> no, even this if you is, could, look, you can say whatever you want about us and we'll still let you listen. Yes, you know? exactly. We can't ban you. Yes. <laughs> but even if we, <laughs> even, could, if we, even if we wanted to, even if we could, we wouldn't because. Yes. Well, even if there was a way to, we don't, I don't know how to do that. That's so. what I'm saying. I don't think there is a way to like yeah. block uh, someone from listening. But yeah, if there I don't was, think there is. And if there was, we're Gen X or don't know how to do that. Um, no, above my pay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, it's Judy Bloom forever. Yes. Yes. She's our girl. She it's is. Great documentary. I, this inspired me. I got to I got to read more. I really do. But yeah, I spent me so too. much time watching TV for this I podcast. Know. But I got to read more. I really do. Yeah. Books are great. Yeah. No books should be banned. Nope. 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 You don't <laughs> like it? Just don't read it. Just there don't read go. it. God, it's yeah. so easy. It's so simple. So um, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, if you like our podcast, please subscribe and please leave us a five-star rating and review. And you can find us on social media, on Instagram and TikTok at Psych Legal Pop. Yeah, we've been, people are making some great comments on Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, like uh, our friend, uh, listener, Allison, she sent a message and, uh, you know, about the Judy Bloom doc. So please, if there's, if there's something you want to hear about, let us know. And especially, you know, it's real easy to find dark documentaries. Yeah. It's oh. hard to find feel good documentaries. Yeah. No, we did, because I know one of our listeners mentioned the Teal Swan documentary. We will get to that. So we are not ignoring people. We, we do, yeah. we do take all of them. We just need something light. After, we needed something after light. After the Menudo Menendez. Yeah. 
thing. And also we just it's, needed something like it's it's a time issue too. Like right now our schedules didn't allow us to watch like a six hour Four, documentary. Yeah, it was a lot. It was the Teal Swan one, it was which I think is long. really interesting. I do yeah, want to watch that. But I it do. Episodes, it was a lot. But we, yeah, we needed something that was just an hour and a half because, you know, we're busy with work and stuff. So we will get to it. Don't worry. Yes, yes. So thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com